Hi there, you're listening to The Caregiving Coach. I'm Cheryl Gullo, your host and your coach. I'm so grateful to have you here with me today. I don't take it lightly that you've taken time out of your day to spend some time with me. I know you have a tremendous amount of pulls for your time and attention. So thank you so much for being here. If you can, go ahead and grab that cup of coffee, have a seat, or get those running shoes on and go on out for that run or that walk. Maybe you're sitting in the car line at school waiting for kiddos to come on out, or you're listening in the middle of the night because you're a caregiver, and that might be the only time you have to take a breath. No matter where you are or what you're doing right now, I'm glad that you're taking time out of your day to connect with me, and I hope that the time that we have together will bring you some value along this caregiving journey. Hi there, and thank you so much for joining me once again here on The Caregiving Coach. I hope that what we discussed today is going to bring you some value. That being said, we're going to jump right in today. And the reason being is, I'll be honest with you, I've tried to record this podcast already today, and I'm not going to lie, it got to be very long. And the reason being is what we're talking about today is a lot of information. And so I went back and I started listening and I thought, do I need to pare down what I'm sharing or do I need to make this into two different episodes? And I'm going to try my best to pare it down and really just address the overarching theme. And then we're going to, I think this will be a very good launching pad for us to move a little bit forward into digging deeper with the things that we're going to be discussing. And so you're probably wondering what in the world she is talking about. And I will tell you in a minute, but I first want to tell you that today is a day that I am super excited about. I didn't even know that this day existed. Come to find out today, the day that I'm recording this podcast actually happens to be National Innovation Day. I didn't know that, but when I found that out, I was super excited because you see, I feel as if there's two different kinds of people in this world. There are those people that identify problems and they see the problem, they experience the problem, they identify the problem, they talk about the problem, they probably complain about the problem. They may point fingers, they get frustrated, they get overwhelmed, they get anxious, all of the things, but they never move past that. And then there's the people, those people that also see, identify a problem, and they may complain about it or fuss about it for a period of time. Then something shifts inside of them. Something happens inside of them, a spark, something ignites inside of them. And they realize that this problem that they've identified, there must be a solution for it. They don't wallow in the problem, but they realize that there must be a solution. And so they begin to either seek out that solution or create that solution. They are the innovators in our society. They are the people that can't look at a problem and just leave it there. They must figure out a way or connect with someone else who has figured out a way. And so today we celebrate those people who are innovators in our communities, in this country and throughout the world. We celebrate those innovators of the past those current and those moving forward. 
And in today's world, what we really look at when we're talking about and what we think about oftentimes with innovation are those people that are figuring out ways to make life a little bit easier. And so I hope that number one, this podcast is a piece of making your life a little bit better. I hope that the things that we've talked about have been helpful and have really given you some tools to move along on your journey a little bit more successfully, feeling a little bit more peace and joy along the journey. But I also want to talk about today, I want to talk about a lot of the pieces of the puzzle that come into play along this caregiving journey. And some of them we talked about a little bit before, some of them and most of them we will dig into a little bit deeper as we continue on. And I've already promised you that. Um, But I want to tell you that a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about, a lot of them, they were birthed out of the minds of innovators. They were birthed because of a problem that was identified. And so I'm excited today to be talking with you about pieces of the puzzle that will help you along the way. Now, we've talked about a lot of these things already. I want to just go a little bit deeper because I recently read an article where um, there it, it felt to me like a lot of finger pointing. And, and I know that where that came from was probably a place of frustration, overwhelm, anxiety, all the things, right? All the things we've talked about. The person who wrote this article, I felt as if, and she explained herself as somebody who probably we would expect would know what the landscape of this journey could look like. But as I read through this article, what I realized is it was a perfect example of what we've talked about throughout several of our episodes. It's a perfect example of having a plan, knowing what the goals and wishes and dreams are for someone as they require more care and as they enter, live through the latter part of their life's journey. But what became incredibly evident to me as I read this article that, I'm not going to lie, got me a little bit fired up. Um, As I read this article, what I realized was that they didn't do what we talked about and they didn't prepare themselves for the what ifs. They didn't prepare themselves with what happens if somebody changes their mind or if the plan has to change, if the circumstances change, what is that backup plan? What is the backup plan to the backup plan? They knew what the goals and wishes of the person that they were caring for were, and they thought that they had put pieces of the puzzle together to get them to that goal, but in reality, they didn't really understand what a lot of those pieces of the puzzle might actually end up looking like. So I want you, if you are working through the working through the workbook that um, we've developed to, to pair nicely with this podcast, um, if you're working through the workbook, I'd love for you to go ahead and um, open up your workbook. If you are just utilizing a notebook or even if you're just doing this in your head, I want you to begin to put a little more thought into the things that we've talked about in the past because I want to dig deeper into what these things could be and what they really are. So I'd like you to look at a few different categories. I'd like you to look at healthcare. I'd like you to look at living arrangements I'd like you to look at meals, medications, 
and miscellaneous product needs. And then I'd also like for you to look at community connection. So these are kind of your headers. I'm going to talk a little bit about those things and then we will um, begin to open up some doors to share some more information from some subject matter experts in these areas. Let's first talk about healthcare. So when we're talking about that journey and we're looking at that journey for that person that we're caring for or ourselves as we're beginning to plan that, what that journey could look like and what we'd like it to look like and then what are our other options and and what could be some backup plans. I want to really talk a little bit about what is healthcare and what kind of role does it play in the caregiving journey? You see, because the reality is, is there could be many, many, many years in a person's life where really the only piece of your day-to-day life is that you might have a doctor's appointment here or there. You might have a dentist appointment here or there. And just because somebody's in the latter part of their life journey, and even if they have a diagnosis that is um, has limited their physical or cognitive abilities, there's a gamut that runs there as well. And so there's there's times where there's a lot of involvement, engagement that needs to take place, and there's times that. There's not. So what we're going to do here is just to let you know, I love a good um, brainstorming session. If you've ever been in one, they're incredibly exhilarating, at least for people like me who are innovators. I love getting in a room of other people that love to solve problems with a bunch of big papers and post-its and markers. And and so this is what we're going to do right now. We're going to do like a brain dumping session together virtually here. If you are with some of your team, some of your caregiving team, and you're doing this together, um, it's a great time to really dig in and kind of look at what these pieces of the puzzle look like. It's important to understand, and going back to this article that I read, it's important to understand that there are a lot of resources out there to help you with the caregiving journey and to help that person that you're caring for, but it's important for us to know what they really look like. So let's go to that that healthcare space. So of course, we know we have doctor's appointments. We have doctors. We have a variety of different doctors. Um, there are specialists that may come into play. And so they may be a piece of this journey. Um, there are also, speaking of physicians, we've talked about home care before, right? And we've talked about what that private duty kind of space looks like, that what we would refer to as non-skilled care, really where we have like a companion or a home health aide or a nurse's aide come on in and they get paid on an hourly basis. They can come for a couple times, maybe just once or twice a week, or they can come every day out of the week. It's really kind of up to you. It's not It's not typically something that a doctor orders. It's a decision made amongst the family members and they engage an organization or a private private individual to come in and even provide these services for them. So there's that piece of home care. And then there's also skilled home care that we've also touched on a little bit that once again, we're going to dig into much more in depth in a full episode on, on home health. But with skilled home health, what that provides is it's just that intermittent care. You do require a physician's order to be able to um, receive skilled home health. It's something that 
happens for a period of time when there is a specific need, a specific medical need that requires the skill of a trained clinician, like a nurse, a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, a speech therapist. Um, it does require that that person meets some specific criteria. And, and this is something that, that I'm really passionate about. I love skilled home health. It's the industry that I grew up in and I've spent so much time in. I, I love it because it does fill a gap and, and is a piece of somebody's journey oftentimes. But I want to be really honest. It is what it is. When somebody is getting skilled home health, that does not mean a nurse is likely to come to your home every single day and stay for several hours a day. That is not really what that benefit looks like or is. It's intermittent skilled care. It means that a nurse will come out X amount of times each week. It means that possibly physical therapy or occupational therapy, speech therapy, maybe an aide, maybe a social worker will be involved in this plan of care and it will exist for a period of time. But the goal is to take that person who who needs home health because maybe they have had an illness or a situation where they've ended up in the hospital or they've had a fall, they've been in an ER or the physician realizes that there's been a significant decline in their condition and maybe they would benefit from someone coming in. They may need some wound care or home IV. There's a variety of different things that skilled home health can do for a person but it's for a period of time. The goal is to help that person achieve their health goals. And once they do, that person is discharged from that service and they know those clinicians coming into the home are no longer coming. And we're going to get into that a lot more in depth when we have our conversation with our representative from Skilled Home Health. But it's important to know if you're thinking in the back of your mind, hey, maybe skilled home health would be great. Maybe we could have a physical therapist come on out or maybe a nurse would be good to come on out for mom and and maybe Medicare would pay for that. And, and Medicare does pay for skilled home health when it is appropriate and when it is ordered by a physician. But you have to meet the specific criteria. And as I said, it's only for a certain amount of time only for a certain amount of days. And that's all dependent on the needs of that specific patient. The first time that the first clinician comes out, they'll do a good solid assessment and they'll determine with their discussions with the physician how often the clinicians will come out. What those tasks will be that they will be doing when they go out, what the goals of care are, and ultimately what are we shooting for in order to discharge this patient from the care. And that's a good thing, because in most cases, that means that they don't need that intervention anymore. But I do remember years and years and years ago when I was a piece of that puzzle, and I remember what home health looked like many, many years ago, and it's very different from that. So if you remember that, if you were caring for an aging loved one and, and years ago home health was coming out, it looks different than it does today. So it's important to really understand what that piece of the puzzle is. There's also things like palliative care and hospice. And we're definitely going to dig into those because there's a lot of discussion about what that is. Hospice in and of itself is palliative in nature. But when a physician orders palliative care, that typically is not meaning hospice if the terms are being used appropriately. Palliative care when ordered by a physician, 
is something that can work alongside of home health. It's often the palliative care team is often called in when there's a a situation where something like maybe pain is uncontrolled and there's a hard time getting that getting control over that or some symptoms that are being challenged to be managed and so there's another layer of care that needs to come in and it can work alongside home health can work alcide curative treatments and that's kind of the big thing that's really important to see there it may be that a patient has cancer and they're still receiving chemotherapy but they're having an and maybe they have some home health coming into their home and they're really struggling with pain. And so that palliative care team can come on in and be a piece of that puzzle. Now, hospice, on the other hand, is palliative in nature because it is focused on supporting comfort, symptom management, which palliative care is focused on. But with hospice, the focus is on really providing quality of life in the latter part of someone's life's journey. And what's necessary to go along with an order for hospice from the physician is that the physician has to state that based on all reasonable consideration with the physician's knowledge and and the knowledge that we have at hand, if there were no more curative treatment being involved in the care of this patient, and that doesn't mean you can't take any medications, it's just about curative medications, something that is ultimately looking to cure you of this condition that you're dealing with. When there's no longer curative treatment being provided to this patient, when the patient has said, no more, I don't want to do anymore, or there isn't anything else that can be done based on all the information that the physicians have at hand and based on all of the circumstances and looking at that patient realistically. The physician says, my best assessment is that this patient is likely to not live longer than six months. And then they meet that hospice criteria. That doesn't mean that people always under the care of hospice die within 6 months actually it's been it's been shown to that when hospice does come in many times patients live a lot longer than would have been expected because they are getting an additional layer of care but oftentimes when we say the additional layer of care that's where families get confused and once again just like skilled home health many times we think that that means there's going to be a nurse there every single day, X amount of hours each day. The family is going to be able to take a breather and all these people are going to come out of the woodwork and step in. And yeah, there is a little piece of that. But really what skilled home health, palliative care, hospice, what those services and yes, innovation, because there was a problem. Families needed help along this journey when their loved ones were ailing in that latter part of life's journey. They were dealing with complex medical situations that probably didn't warrant them being in a hospital, didn't warrant them being in a facility, but there was an extra bit of care that needed to get involved. And so there was innovation. And and we've seen over the years, incredible innovation within the in-home care space. 
as I said, it's changed significantly from when I started my career. And the people that we care for in the home often are much sicker than we ever would have considered many years ago. But that being said, it's important for families to understand and know, and it's important for you as the caregiver to know that even though there may be a time, and it may be now, or it may be down the road, but even though there may be a time where home health, hospice, palliative care, in-home care, all of those things may become a piece of the puzzle, but you are still going to be intricately involved, very much so needed. And so if as you're doing your planning and as you're constructing the goals and the dreams and the wishes of your entire team, the person who will be receiving care and all of those who will be surrounding them, it's important to think about if you get to the point where that person is going to be requiring some medical attention, hands-on care, are you ready, willing, and able to be a very integral part of providing that care, even if there are other services that are coming into play? Because that's what it looks like. That's the reality of it. And yes, there's lots and lots of great features and things that those services do provide. And as I said, we'll dig into those deeper, but I just want you to be very acutely aware. So as you're doing your brain dumping, and as we're writing down in our bucket of healthcare, and we're writing down these things, I want you to also be thinking about who within your circles, your close circle, your second circle, your third circle, who within your circles can mesh well and will partner well with some of the things that can be pieces of the puzzle on that healthcare piece. So let's go back a little bit though. Let's think back to those doctor's appointments. So we know that there could be doctor's appointments that need to um, happen. And early on in the journey, it may just be that, you know, maybe that person that you're caring for just needs a ride to the physician. That may be a piece of the puzzle. But I also want to talk to you about the fact that, you know, maybe it gets, maybe it gets to the point where there isn't somebody who can do the rides or it's becoming too much of a taxing effort to get that person that you're caring for into a car and to the, the physician's office or you as the caregiver, they may be able to to get there but you can't physically get them in and out of the car and get them in and out of the doctor's office. So it's important to start thinking about what are the other pieces of that puzzle that could be helpful? Are there friends, families, volunteer, paid help that can help with those rides to the doctor? Or is it time to start thinking about and asking the physician do they provide in-home visits? And if your physician doesn't, ask them if there is anyone in your area that's providing in-home visits. Maybe your doctor provides virtual visits. And that was something that I found incredibly helpful when my mother had her surgery amidst the lockdown, shutdown of COVID. It was such a blessing that we had the opportunity to have virtual visits with her physician. That being said, not all of her visits were like that, but it was a great piece of the puzzle. 
all of those things we want to brain dump right into the home, right into the healthcare space, right? We want to think about all of the things that could happen in the home. And there's even in-home hospital that's starting to pop up throughout our country. Talk about incredible innovation. I don't even, I've been, I've been out of the in-home care space for a period of time working on some innovative things. And um, so I haven't even had enough experience to even shed a little bit of light on the in-home hospital um, story for you. So I'm excited to have a subject matter expert come and discuss that with us here on a future episode as well. So much innovation to support the goal of someone aging in place in the home that they that they want to remain in. And we need to begin thinking about those things, but also being realistic about them. So, all right, you've got that bucket there. All right, let's now talk about living arrangements, living situations. So there are so many things. Let's get really creative here, all right? I'm gonna throw some things out at you. There is certainly the option if someone wants to have a really significant plan. Maybe they don't live near their relatives. Maybe your mom and dad don't live in the same state as you and you're talking to them about what is this going to look like as they age. Um, Maybe you're thinking about this for yourself. So there are communities that are actually continuous care communities and you can, and I bet you, you have one not far from where you are. They're popping up all over the place. Incredibly innovative. It's so great to see what these communities can do. And it really keeps us connected with that community connection and piece of our puzzle that is so important for so many, really for all of us. So these communities, you can move in there really when you don't have any caregiving needs. You move in there and move into independent living. I think I might have mentioned that my Dad's mom at one point had been in a senior independent living facility for many years, apartment for many years. And it was nice because there were, you know, pretty much everybody else that was there was in similar situations to her. They had a um, they had a concierge there that they could reach out to if they needed something. But really, they were kind of, you know, it was their own home and living environment. They were able to take care of themselves pretty much on their own and maybe had some Simple interaction, occasional interaction from family, friends, loved ones, their team, right? Um, But what's neat about these continuous care communities is you can move in there when you're incredibly independent. But then as you age, if you begin to have more needs, that then can you then can move into the assisted living area within this community. And then at some point, if you ever need it, there they also have skilled facilities, skilled access where maybe you need some short-term rehab. Maybe you've had a knee replacement or a hip replacement and you need some short-term rehab. You can go there. You're right there in your same community that you've been in for many years, um, or even sometimes if there's long-term care needs. So that is one option. But, you know, I've also mentioned to you that my brother and my parents, my brother and his wife and my parents, they share a home. They built this home together and they designed it and built it so that they could have their separate dwellings, but that they have access to each other. And this was incredibly beneficial for my brother and his wife when their kids were little and my parents were still able to help with those kiddos. Um, But as the years have gone on, that 
that need has kind of shifted. And it's now more that it's more likely that my brother and or his wife will be helping my parents with things as they age. Um, And that works out so nicely for them. And so many families have situations like that. And they've planned it early enough and have a good solid plan going forward. There's in-law apartment options. Um, There's even really cool tiny houses that if you have property and you don't live in an HOA like I do, um, and you have access to be able to build another dwelling on your property, there are tiny homes that you can put on your property that are already designed and created for people as they age, all decked out with all the incredible technology and innovation that you could ever imagine. And what a great way to provide somebody with continued independence but close enough so that you can stay connected and be a big piece of that caregiving journey for them. There's also families that find that it makes sense if um, that aging person is needing more day-to-day care and they can actually go back and forth between different family members' homes. That alleviates some of the pressure on just one family member. I know my sister and her sister-in-law, when um, my sister's mother-in-law was aging and was starting to have some greater needs, that was something that they did for a period of time as for X amount of weeks, she would stay with my sister, and then X amount of weeks, she would go and stay with her daughter. And that was an incredible way of them being able to share in the caregiving experience of my sister's mother-in-law. As time went on and she was no longer able to travel, they made some adjustments in the plans and figured out a way to manage that care. So living arrangements, it's something to really begin thinking about, looking for all the different innovative things that come into play. There's so many incredible innovations, remote patient monitoring, um, devices that sit in the home and if you call out for help, they respond and, and, and get you the help that you need. I was even babysitting for my grandchildren last weekend and all of a sudden I hear my daughter talking and I see that she's got a tablet sitting on her kitchen counter and there's her face and she's looking right at us and she could just pop in and have a conversation with us um, when she needed to. So, so many innovations. So do a little bit of a brain dump right now about different innovative techniques um, and technologies and things that you can tap into. Think about equipment, safety equipment. Um, There are people that will come to your home or to the person that you're caring for, come to their home and do a safety assessment of the home. They will talk you through what types of things would be beneficial to put in place in the home to keep that person safe. Let's also talk about those things that make the day-to-day a reality, things that help us to function, food, medicines, um, all the things we need. I don't really have to say much about this because one of the incredible blessings that I believe came out of COVID Um, And we got to look at what the blessings were in that time. One of the incredible blessings that I think came out of our time dealing with the pandemic was we realized we could order everything online and it could get delivered to our house from groceries to pharmacy to everything we need, right? There are um, specific websites that you can even go to and find um, resources just for seniors. So you don't have to go and, you know, look through and search 
you can go right there and they have recommended products. They talk about the different products and things that you can order for that person you're caring for. Currently, what my dad does is my mom gives him a list of the groceries that they need. He goes online, he orders those groceries. And because he's, they're still able to get out and drive their car, um, mom and dad will take a trip, but they go and they pick up the groceries. They don't have to go in the grocery store anymore. Isn't that amazing? But if they can't do that any longer, and even if my dad weren't able to do the ordering, my mom and I could get on a phone call. She could tell me what their grocery needs are. I could go online and order that and have that delivered right to their home. So go ahead and brain dump right now on how and what kind of innovations are out there right now for those day-to-day needs. I'll also tell you that I recently had a conversation with an incredibly innovative woman who I do anticipate will be on our podcast, and she'll be able to talk about her product um, and explain that to you better. But there are even incredible resources that will help you with the financial piece so that you can work together as a family team to better manage the care of that aging loved one, even right down to how the money is being spent. If someone's going out and doing shopping for them or stepping in for them um, and and going and running errands for them, they, she has a product that helps you to see what's happening. It's amazing the innovation that's out there. All right. And the last thing I want to talk about is community connection. And I'm kind of getting close to time here. I don't want to much longer than we've talked about this, but this is the next area where I really want you to brain dump. Let's talk about all the different innovative ways that we can make sure that there's still connection for ourselves as the caregiver and that person that we're caring for. So I think about my mom and I think I've really probably fallen short here a little bit. Yeah, we get on the phone and we talk, but wouldn't it be really cool if I could be her accountability partner? Because she's not getting out of the house very often. I know she's not going out for a walk and getting the exercise that she probably wishes she would get. Wouldn't it be nice if she and I could get on a FaceTime call or on Zoom or Skype once a day or even a couple times a week and even just do some simple exercises together, grab some simple weights and do some arm exercises and talk each other through that and share in that experience. There's so many ways of utilizing technology to stay connected with your family and that person that you're caring for. But it's also really great technology to help those people that we love, that we're caring for, to stay connected with their circles as well. We want to make sure that we're not allowing for that isolation to step in, especially when there's no good reason for it. And and I, I mean that, I really mean that. Because we live in such an innovative society and because there's been such incredible growth in specifically the technology space over the last couple of years, we have no excuse for not staying connected. 
I still think face-to-face connection is incredible. And so in this community connection piece and things that are involved here are things like exercise, um, groups, clubs, book clubs, um, quilting clubs, scrapbooking clubs, um, craft clubs, church, all of the things that keep us engaged and active in life. And yes, I think that face-to-face communication is key. But when that can't happen, thank goodness we live in a society in a time where innovation has allowed us to connect even when we can't be right next to that person. We can see their faces. We can engage in virtual Bible studies. We can engage in in virtual crafting groups and book clubs, all the things. So I want you right now to begin brain dumping on how we can stay connected with our community, that community that keeps us well as a caregiver and the person we're caring for, if it's still appropriate at this part of their, their journey. How can they stay connected externally with those community connections that keep them well and keep you well emotionally and spiritually? And as you know, the emotional and spiritual plays such a big role in the physical well-being as well. All right. So we're going to we're going to stop now. I hope that your brain keeps percolating over the next couple of days. Keep opening up this page to to your brain dump, to your um, to your strategic planning, to your thinking. Keep opening up your page there. Jot down some ideas, jot down some things that you might be able to tap into. And then we're going to continue on over the next several weeks to dig a lot deeper into what are the innovations that are out there and how can we support you along this caregiving journey and keep you well spiritually, emotionally, and physically, keep you from experiencing that overwhelm. But then also, how can we develop a good, solid plan with our eyes wide open to know what those resources really are, where they fit into the plan, how they fit into the plan, and what are our responsibilities as family, friends, loved ones, community? What are our responsibilities and where can we step in as well? So that when you get to the end of the caregiving journey, you don't have to be pointing fingers. You don't have to be talking about all of the negative aspects and how the system didn't have all of the answers and all of the solutions. Because the reality is the system, be it healthcare, be it government, whatever it is, not one of these things was ever meant to be the only answer. We come together as a community. We come together as human beings to pull together all of the pieces of the puzzle to care for someone we love and provide them the quality of life that they deserve with honor and dignity while preserving your health and your well-being as well as the caregiver. I appreciate you all so much. Please do send in your questions, concerns, comments, and stories of triumph, moments 
of incredible memories that are being made and the joy that you're experiencing along this caregiving journey. Have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you again soon.